You're listening to the TV Obsessive channel, presented by tvobsessive.com. Hello, welcome back to the TV Obsessive podcast. This is episode 14. My name is Ryan Kirksey, writer and contributor to tvobsessive.com. I am joined by Cameron Crane, uh, my partner here, executive editor for tvobsessive.com. We're going to finish talking about winning time uh, today. Cameron, when you found out the news, did you go sit in the shower with your clothes on and let the water just run over you in sorrow? Yeah. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I did. It was, uh, <laughs> uh, we'll talk about some of that, uh, some of the details. I, I think hopefully it's of interest to people. Uh, I, I'm sitting here thinking like, I think my personal experience is interesting for people. So, so hopefully they'll agree. But we'll hold off a bit on that. I mean, the headline that winning time has been canceled. That's not a spoiler. I guess that's a news item. And yeah. uh, that we're upset about it probably goes <laughs> without saying. But we'll talk about uh, in detail kind of uh, how things went down, how this last episode played out and all of that in the latter portion of the podcast. So as per usual, right, this is our plan that um, in the first part of the pod here, we talk a bit about what's in the news, um, chat a little bit about what we've been watching lately in a spoiler-free kind of way, before in the latter part, dig in on something with spoilers. So that's winning time again this week, but um, start with news and notes, as it were. What caught your eye this week, uh, Ryan? It's September 19th today, as we record. Yeah, that's right. I uh, noticed, based on something we talked about last week, there have been a couple of about faces in the past few days between uh, some talk show hosts, Drew Barrymore and Bill Maher specifically. Um, should also add Jennifer Hudson to the list if you knew she had a talk show and that she was going to plan on starting. But these people who mm-hmm. who were going to restart their shows with apparently scab scab writers have have changed their minds. Does it surprise you? Were you um, what, what sort of? Um, I mean, it, it, the Bill Maher one surprised me. Although, I mean, there's been kind of a bit of a roller coaster because the, everything with the Bill Maher aspect of this happened since we re- last recorded. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and yeah, there. I think there were a couple other shows. Also, I, I don't know uh, things I don't watch. Right. But um, <laughs> yeah, whether we say whether they were with scab writers or whether it's like other people are scabbing for the writers, who knows? But anyway. The pressure seemed to have been effective, and um, I find that interesting and, and good. I think it's positive uh, from from my own personal point of view. You know, you had Drew Barrymore in the middle of this. She issued that really weird, like crying apology thing, mm-hmm. where she was like, "I don't know. I don't think there's anything I can do to make this right." And <laughs> well, um, lots of people on social media, myself included, said, you know, Drew, there is kind of one big obvious thing you could do. <laughs> yeah. uh, and she did. And <laughs> and more than anything, I, I actually want to give kudos to Drew Barrymore. Um, she listened and she changed her mind. And I think that's great. You know what I mean? Like. I'll be charitable. I'll presume that she thought what she was doing in the first place was okay. And then everyone told her it's not. Yeah. And she changed her mind. And that seemed it, in both directions a weird watershed because it was after she said she was going to bring her show back. But then you had Bill Maher saying, well, I'm going to bring my show back too. Like he's just shouting yeah. at the bit. And I, I feel like as personalities, they're totally opposite ends of the spectrum. <laughs> yeah. I, 
I I I, I tend to agree with you on that, and I think again, you can look at this from from, from, from two two lenses. One is. Oh, you had to do this because of the severe public pressure of you just making a terrible move. But no, let's just think of it as it took a while, but they finally decided to do to do the right thing. You know, they I'm, came to the came to the right decision. I mean, I don't know about Mar. I think he was yeah. like, yeah, I, I'm 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 going to be more cynical about Bill Mar. I'm not going <laughs> to dig into him too hard here, but I definitely got the feeling that Bill Mar felt like Drew Barrymore had given him permission. And I was actually kind of surprised that he also pulled back and 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 yeah that they're not doing real time. Although there is another aspect of this, and we don't have any um, tea to spill, as it were. But I wonder about their ability to get guests, because that could have been an aspect of the problem as well. You know what I mean? Like Bill Maher saying, "We're going to come come back. I'm not going to have a monologue or anything. I'm just going to talk to guests." Well who's willing to come on the show and cross a picket line in order to be yeah. on the show and also to attend the show, you know, and how much that all fed into it. Yeah. That, in, in my mind, that seemed like to be a, a much bigger issue for Drew Barrymore, you know, Mar, I, I admittedly have not watched his show in a long time, but he would always have you know, political pundits and, and sort of these talking heads and th- things like that. And every once in a while, you know, you get a comedian or an actor or something like that. But I mean, Drew Barrymore just sort of lived in the, entertainment world with her with her talk show who's going to as you said cross that line to say even if i am authorized or allowed to do it why would i put myself in this position to be on her show well i mean look on the politics side too frankly i mean i know not everyone shares my politics i'm putting my cards on the table here a little bit but if they're if they were uh, holding bill maher and people were picketing it and (laughs) politicians were crossing a picket line in order to appear on his show for me personally, that tells me everything about your politics I need to know. <laughs> and like, I'm not voting for you or anything like that, you know? Um, so yeah, it's a wrinkle. We don't, we don't know all the details, but it is also now um, apparently the WGA and the AMPTP are scheduled to meet tomorrow on Wednesday the 20th. We'll see what happens, right? I mean, it's just, one hopes that the AMPTP is finally willing to like meaningfully negotiate, I guess. Yeah. And it also comes on the heels of apparently there were some pretty prominent showrunners that said, we are demanding a meeting with the AMPTP. And now that has, has been canceled because they've agreed to go back to the table with the WGA. And these guys basically saying, you know, you know, I don't know if they were threatening that they weren't going to work with these studios if, if they didn't get back to negotiating, but I think that was sort of the sentiment. So now, as you said, tomorrow, Wednesday, they'll be back at the table, hopefully for some good faith negotiations. I'm feeling hopeful about it personally. I mean, yeah. all told, it was a roller coaster of a week with the Drew Barrymore stuff and the Bill Maher stuff, you know. But yeah, all told, at the end of it, the fact that the kind of the pressure worked and now Drew Barrymore is yeah. not doing the show that these 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 shows that were going to go forward now aren't going to go forward. Um, seems like a power shift in the direction of WGA at the yeah, end of this. it does. So it does. Um, I also hope, I don't know, a little bit of this, the cynical side of me wonders, are, are these folks like Barry Moore and Mark getting word that things might be close? And so they're willing to do the good PR move of, yeah, our show's going to going to stay off because they know that an agreement is coming soon. You know, so I sort of hate to think that way, but it's certainly yeah. possible. I don't know. It's yeah. just like, and again, I shouldn't dig into Mar. Too much, it, in particular, because he did pull the decision back. 
but Bill Maher is a member of the WGA. Right. That is, I mean, I don't know. When when this stuff was breaking, I was preparing to come on here and say, well, are they going to have a disciplinary hearing? Are they going to revoke his membership? Because, like, that would have felt on the table to me. I don't know if they would have, that he's changed his mind. Now they're not doing it. So the, so the point's moot, you know, at least for the moment. We'll see what happens with uh, um, with the negotiations and if any news comes down the line. And then I presume one gets a definite feeling that it's kind of like um, WGA goes first sort of thing. Yes. And if they reach a deal, then one would expect a SAG after deal to follow on the heels of that, I hope. Yeah. You know? And that's the thing I, I've seen all along. And it's not just because, oh, everyone in SAG is this wealthy actor and, and they can afford to to go second. That's it's far from, from the truth. But just that the writers who have been striking longer, who have some real fundamental and existential things that they're arguing for, uh, they get their deal. Then we can move forward with with our our SAG negotiations. So I, I think you're you're reading that the right way. Yeah, it seems like. And I mean, I think maybe also SAG after is willing to say, you know, well, the the writers they've been on strike longer too, yeah. but that then we'll trust them to negotiate a good deal, and then that serves as the baseline the, and the sort of precedent for what the um, deal for the actors would look like. So we'll see. Fingers crossed. And yeah, so oh, uh, along these lines, we were talking about the strike auction. You see, yeah. this a uh, number of. Uh, <laughs> um celebrity actors also some writers and things like this have are auctioning off um i, I am scrolling through this right now and I, i'm i'm checking my bank account to see if i can afford the jeremy allen white signed the bear apron I, I i gotta have this this is it benefits charity so i can convince you know my wife this is a good yeah. purchase so so yeah i'm uh i, I got my eye on it of clothing you know one thing that stood out to me was like Britt marling's got the wolf sweatshirt from the oa which <laughs> i love the oa but you know honestly like it's not like i'd ever wear it would anyone wear it i mean would you, would you, <laughs> what do you do, do you, this would also be kind of weird like you put it in a glass case in your house or something and, because most people would look at that and be like what is that yeah, yeah. <laughs> um also stood out to me the doing a crossword with natasha leone that sounds love, love like it. it would just be fabulous um then of course um personally i can't afford any of this stuff so right same here same here i I, i'm worried if i if i won the adam scott walks your dog for one hour that my wife would go on that and not come back so i'm not going to bid on that one (laughs) i uh i i i think it's john lithgow wants to paint your dog was that one of them (laughs) yes it is call me i'm you know brain fart or something but i i read that Totally the wrong way at first. It's like, why are you painting a dog? Like as though he was going to be brushing paint onto the body of a dog, and, and now he will like make a portrait of your dog. Yeah, um, no, all, all this to a good, good cause. Going to, I guess both both SAG and WGA striker, from what I can tell. Is it yeah, yeah, I, I, I believe that's right. And oh, you know, we'll put the link in the show notes and things like that. I don't know if people listening to this have potentially thousands of dollars <laughs> or, or whatever to uh but you know uh, support people on strike and um oh it's kind of cool I, I mean i have seen some 
some funny parody ones too that have been floating yes. around on social media. And uh, I don't know, it, it's a good time. So, well, speaking of strike, I, I, I found this interesting only because you know I sat on the couch last night and watched Monday Night Football, but surely because ABC has nothing to fill their Monday nights, they have now ordered a full run of Monday Night Football on both ESPN and ABC this fall. So they're they're going to carry oh. the games every week. Um, it'll be sort of a cross promotion deal. Obviously, this is all owned by owned by Disney, but ABC is showing Monday Night Football for are, 60 more weeks in the fall. Are they doing two games every week? They did one. They did that last night. They did. They're doing it next week, but I think that it ends after that. I hope so because I, I don't care for it. I hated it. I, I was just. What do you? You're either flipping back and forth between two channels, or you're like putting one on the TV and and pulling up <laughs> the other one on your computer and trying to watch two games at once. I, I, I don't. Um, it's funny because on Sunday I like to watch Red Zone, but you know that, oh, yeah. that's just like constantly jumping between action or whatever. And yeah, yeah. I didn't like the the two games at once. Also, another terrible injury. That made oh, me sick God. to my stomach in in an enduring way with Nick Chubb going down last night. Yeah, there was, I mean, a very niche um, d- debate I saw going on last night as to whether uh, stations like ESPN or their their reporters have an obligation to show the replay. They decided not to show the replay of this horrific injury. They were they, showing, they yeah, they did. They they did not show the angle that I ultimately saw online. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, I guess that's a general TV type question that would be in our wheelhouse or whatever, but I don't know. What, what do you think? I, I'm frankly, call me old fashioned, but I'm kind of on board with them deciding to not show that on um, the broadcast. I, I I agree with you. And if that's something you want to see, it's not hard to find on social media. So yeah, I'm fine with them making that decision. That hard to avoid, if anything. If you're exactly if you use Twitter and you're following um, sports accounts and stuff like that, it was all over the place. So exactly, exactly you know, right. I, I, but, uh, yeah, I, I don't think that uh, I don't think they need to show that. <clears throat> I mean, I don't know if it was Joe Theismann level, but it was getting close. It, it was certainly certainly close. Certainly gruesome. But anyway, we'll see Monday Night Football on ABC so they can fill their content for the rest of the rest of the fall. Yeah, um, they got that. They got what, like Dancing with the Stars, and I don't know what else they've got going on. They oh, got a bunch yeah. of did stuff you, like that. There. Did you see this trailer for this show? This is just—I mean, this is outside of our our notes. The Golden Bachelor. Did you see this trailer last night? Uh, no, I wasn't paying attention. What do you, <laughs> what do you think the Golden Bachelor is? I'm pretty sure I've read about this, and and I think it's like an old guy. Yes, <clears throat> seniors, bachelor for seniors. I mean, I, I don't know what the other <laughs> options are here, but I don't, I don't know whether I don't know. Is that uh, is that cool I mean, to they to they, they got golden? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, hey, it was a it, it was a charming, good looking guy from the trailer, and frankly, I'm probably closer to that uh, that age than I am the the regular bachelor contestant. So can't, I can't knock it too hard, right? Right. What what are they going to bring back, like Joe Millionaire and stuff like that? I love Uh, Joe Millionaire, man. That that was was such a weird show. That was a great show. (laughs) It was such a weird premise for a show. Oh well, I guess uh, Uh, continuing on the the Disney side of things, here's something interesting. You you found that uh, you know on the 
Star Wars beat as well, that the series that was going to run uh, with Donald Glover as Lando has now been turned into one of the few upcoming Star Wars movies. Yeah, that... it looks like it's going to be a movie. Yeah. Things are, I mean, a little up in the air, a little unsettled, in part because the strikes are going on. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, an interesting tie-in here. I mentioned Pablo Torre finds out last week, which I've been mm-hmm. uh, watching and enjoying, and and he kind of broke this story, basically, with um, having uh, Stephen Glover on, right? Um, he just, like, said it. And, but it was funny to me because I saw it coming from Pablo Torre, and then I saw all these other outlets like Variety picking it up. And like, oh, did Pablo Torre break this story? <laughs> and uh, apparently... Yes. So it's kind of been out there that they were going to make this Lando series. Right. And apparently now, um, you know, it's uh, come out that it looks like it's going to be just a movie. Yeah. Well, it, I, the reason why I find that most, most interesting is because the, the Disney execs had announced two specific Star Wars movies, one looking at uh, the origins of the Jedi, one looking at Ray from the most recent trilogy and her ascension as sort of a leader and a trainer of Jedi, but they said there would be more, but they hadn't given any details. So now apparently Stephen Glover is announcing the details of of one of those. So I mean, all these things are speculative, and and who knows what year we'll actually see these movies. But hey, that's uh good good for for all of the Star Wars nerds. Yeah, you want a Lando? Didn't they? Did they already make a Lando movie? This is how out of touch I am with Star Wars. Did they make no, a Lan- Lando movie? Lando appeared, Donald Glover as Lando appeared in the solo spinoff movie, like a young Harrison Ford, or not young Harrison Ford, young Han Solo. Right, it wasn't Harrison Ford, it was some other right. guy. People didn't, people didn't care for it. No. Weirdo Star Wars fans, like, give us a super de-aged Harrison Ford. Yeah. Um, Okay, so I guess this, I think this has just been like kind of in the ether for a while that they were yes, going to do the yes. Lando thing. I mean, that yeah. movie's five years old now. So, yeah, it's, yeah. Been, it's been out there percolating. Now, it's, in, it's interesting to me that Donald Glover is into it. I don't and know why he, that it just. He kind of, apparently, he, he really latched on to the sort of suave playboy, you know, don't, can't really tell who he is or what he does type of character of Lando Calrissian. You know, I think he he even started talking about how he was going to explore that that character's sexuality and sort of how he, you know, yes. really was going to dive into some deep things with Lando. And he just sort of fell in love with it. And now he nice. wants to keep playing the character. So, hey, good. That's one of the hottest I, around and you've got him. I get it. I'm very intrigued by the comment of exploring his sexuality. Now, I just want to see. <laughs> I, I actually do want it to be a show. And I want it to be just like Lando chilling in, you know, Cloud City, <laughs> right? And, you know, he's like pansexual. And, yep. <laughs> uh, I, I'm presuming he's pansexual. That's it. That's in my head canon. I, I think Lando Calabrissian is. Uh, that, is that's exactly pansexual. what it is. And in, and in that universe, you have to include droids in that, apparently. That was part of the rumors. <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, so we'll see when that happens. Presuming it does happen. Probably not for a while. Everyone's on strike. Hopefully that ends soon, and yeah. Um, so speaking of Star Wars, Ahsoka, we were going to uh, check back in on this, the theatrical experience level. Yeah. Was, how did you feel about that? Yeah, I, I've, I've, yeah, I wanted to touch on fifth episode of Ahsoka from last week. Obviously, episode six airs tonight on the 19th, but you know, this was the episode that had been hyped for so long that 
had uh, a limited theatrical run in a few cities. Uh, my, my thoughts about the episode are up on the site right now if you want to go take a look at that. But I've also spent a lot of time digging into what people thought, people that saw it in theaters, people that watched at home, people that had experience with Star Wars, people that didn't have experience with, with Star Wars. And uh, I think sort of the conclusion that I've come to is that this was a very, maybe more so than any episode of a Star Wars show, a very cinematic event. I mean, it was majestic. It was... Uh, wide-ranging, it was powerful, it was very compelling, at least in terms of what you would see on the screen, but it was also deep, deep, deep in the lore, particularly of the animated shows. Um, so it landed with uh, with me because it was something where I recently had experience with those, and something that um, I think really hit in terms of some of the emotional notes of that, um, but yeah, you kind of really have to have some experience here to to really, I think, get the get, I think the the, the powerful punch they were looking to land with, um, with with this episode. It was a very good episode. It really sort of pulled on a lot of nostalgic um, heartstrings, but um, maybe didn't quite live up to the hype of the content as I think it did the hype of the the visual experience. If that makes sense. Interesting. Yeah, but so. So in, in short, what I'm hearing is would it have been worth seeing on the big screen? Yes, but only if you were totally steeped in the show, totally steeped in the lore behind the show. I mean, or at least watching this show. Yeah. I yeah. guess, right? Like, so it, it, that's kind of interesting to me that they would put it in theaters if it really does depend on you being right up to date, right up to speed with this show. And I wonder how those um, screenings went. Yeah. And, and, you know, I would say just not, not to get into spoilers of the show, there was an aspect of it where you're with the main character in a certain sort of part of the universe. I'll say that's sort of as, as, as spoiler free as I can put it. And then there's another part and that stuff is incredibly compelling and interesting. And there's another part where you're with a group of people searching for that main character and that part is interesting, but certainly less compelling. And I think it would have been more powerful if it had just been this complete sort of episode that focused solely on this this sense of the main character, what was happening to her, how she was being tested. Um, there's sort of some jumps back and forth that made it a, li- a little bit clunky. Still great to to see, you know, looked great mm-hmm. on my big TV. I'm sure it looked it looked wonderful on on the on movie screen, but just a little little bit. A little bit clunky, in my opinion. Yeah, interesting. yeah, I think I know what you mean based on um, I've read your article because I had it today. Yeah, I haven't watched the show. Uh, yeah, I follow you. Yeah, I see what you mean. That would maybe been better. I don't know. I'm trying to watch the show. Yeah. I don't know why I'm weighing <laughs> in. Um, but I was going to say, let me also say because there was some um, some good commentary on this, and I'll, I'll there are other people that have, have said this much more expertly than I have. Probably the most creative and innovative innovative uses of the volume that um, we have seen, right? This idea of they're in this sort of circular thing that you can make look like anything. Um, really good job using that technology to make a, an interesting interesting television episode. Yeah, yeah, cool. I'm, I'm glad you enjoyed it. Hopefully people who went to the yeah. theater enjoyed it. Um, yeah. What else have you been watching lately? I don't really have anything new on my end. Yeah, I think I did before, I think this time last week, is I finally got around to binge watching 
the first season of Welcome to Wrexham, which right. was FX on Hulu documentary, I guess, about, about Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhaney buying a, a fifth-tier football club in Wrexham, Wales. Um, and I had no idea what to expect. I'm not really a, an, a football fan, as it were, an English football fan. Um, but it was surprisingly good, perhaps because as we've talked a lot about with winning time, there was a really good balance of the what these guys are doing off the pitch and inside the community and what's happening with the drama of the team. They're try- I mean, there's no secret. They're trying to get this team to move up tiers in the English soccer system. Um, and the good balance of both of those. And the, the, the second season started last week. I think the second episode comes out tonight. Uh, Tuesday the 19th so yeah I was very very impressed with it when I really had no expectations going in well yeah maybe I should catch up with that it's been on my radar I thought it looked kind of interesting when it was coming out yeah uh, last year I want to say last year yeah it was Um, uh it's following the this the the football seasons so the first the first season follows the 21-22 English football season, and then the season that just started looks back to 22-23 football uh, f- football season. And apparently, there were 16 episodes in the first season. Apparently, there's only going to be six or seven, which is odd for this mm. um, for this one. But uh, so far, so good. As the as last week was the first one. Interesting. Yeah, may have to check it out. And just to be clear for all of our American listeners, which I presume <laughs> is probably most people, we are we are talking about soccer here. That's right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, they, the uh, the whole world calls it football practically although i mean there there is some you know soccer comes from associated football right and they're saying yep, okay, yep. it's got there's some credence to the idea of calling it soccer although it's <laughs> mostly an american thing i guess um but cool yeah uh maybe need to uh check that one out at some point um anything else you want to hit on here or should we get to winning time that's all I've been uh, been doing apart from winning time. So, yeah, I think we should get into this finale. Okay. So, um, yeah, on the other side of a little break here, we're going to dig into the season finale, which ended up being a series finale, probably, almost certainly, of winning time. It'll be season two, episode seven. So just to note, all spoilers are on the table on the other side of our little break here. Um, We'll be right back to talk about winning time. Okay, we are back looking at episode seven of season two of Winning Time, as Cameron said, the season and probably series finale for this show on HBO entitled What Is and What Should Never Be. This episode looked at the 1984 NBA Finals, the first matchup in years between the Los Angeles Lakers, which this series has followed, and the hated Boston Celtics. Yeah, but this was a not just then, but also now is a much must watch, must go back and view event for NBA fans. Magic Johnson versus Larry Bird, all the intrigue and drama from this series, Lakers stealing game one, which we saw in episode one of this season. 
magic and his sort of frozen, what do I do at the end of game two, hard fouls, uh, the what's called the air conditioning game in Boston on game five, a comeback in the Lakers in game seven, just a really compelling series that ultimately was not meant to be the finale of this of this uh, show, but uh, now that uh, now that it is, there was some changes made to the end. We've had, or Cameron, you had screeners before uh, this aired and and noticed some things that were different. So perhaps we'll get into that. But in terms of a wrap up, that's what uh, that's what we got. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know if we should start there since you mentioned it. Um... I had screeners for the show, but I was watching week to week and I wasn't getting too terribly far ahead. I, didn't, I wanted to be on the same schedule as you, basically. But I did kind of get into the habit of watching it on Tuesday night mm. because we would record the previous week. Like, we've been talking about winning time. I'm thinking about winning time. Then, like, listen back and, you know, edit the podcast and post it. And, like, I'm thinking about winning time. I'm like, I'm going to watch the next winning time, you know? <laughs> so I watched it on um, last Tuesday night. And uh, it wasn't very polished. Um, it wasn't completely polished, I should say, which isn't yeah. entirely um, out of the ordinary for screeners. I mean, most of them actually aren't quite like this, but having kind of this before, they're little notes. Like at one point, it's like add VFX for Celtics championship banners, you know, stuff like this. Yep. And um, I get to the end. And it just goes to black and it says end credits, right? But the, the striking thing is that that happened right after Magic was sitting there in the shower. And um, so I'm thinking, man, if this show is canceled, this is going to be like ending Star Wars with Empire Strikes Back. Exactly. <laughs> you know? This is the, the the bad guys with sorry Bostonians and Celtics. <laughs> You're the bad guys in this show. Right. Star. No, no hard feelings. Um and but so then a couple days go by and um I get an email and they say they've updated the screener. It was like Friday. And um, you know, emphasis on this note of make sure review coverage is of the new screener. Mm -hmm. You go and look like, hmm, this is a couple minutes longer. And uh, they had at that point tacked on that scene with um, Jerry and Jeannie Buss sitting on the floor of the forum. And then also, of course, the closing montage, as yeah. it were, set to uh, Pat Benatar's In the Shadow of the Night. <laughs> It, it, it was interesting as someone that was watching it in, in real time. HBO, I mean, the moment the episode ended, announced that it was canceled. There was an immediate interview up on Vulture with the showrunners and the directors sort of looking at the show and what they knew and why they had to film these extra scenes, which apparently they did back in January. So this was a decision made some time ago. We've made reference to Jeff Perlman tweeting a couple times about the numbers, but it's almost like th this thing was a sinking ship from you know, it could have been weeks or months ago. We don't, we don't know. Yeah. Well, and, and what their metrics were in terms of making the decision, it was out there as a possibility. I mean, I don't have any behind the scene details beyond what I've kind of just shared, but it was pretty clear to me watching it on, on the updated screener on Friday night. I was like, Oh, 
they know they've been canceled. Like, yeah. what? How else do you read into that? You know, and as, as you said on Sunday, it was pretty immediate after the show aired that that these yeah. articles came out and the and the interviews and and things like that, and you got official confirmation. At the same time, though, um, they they updated, they updated the screener on Friday. So, like, when yeah. did they actually for sure make the decision? I mean, we don't know, but they were prepared for it. Um, and it's a bummer, man. It's it's a bummer, and and I have to say that that having experienced those two versions, it would have been um fairly powerful to end it where they ended it and not tack something on i mean it would have been awful right oh, you yeah. know but it would have <laughs> been like oh my god i can't believe they canceled the show and left us in this moment and there's part of me that almost wishes they'd just done that it does it know. did feel very tacked on very let's rush to give you the history since we called the show you know the lakers building a dynasty um so it it did feel that way i would have loved to know that there was going to be a season three and see a season two end with like you said luke i'm your father chop your hand off you know how devastating it would have been to see that end of the finals in 84, knowing what was going to come in 85, 87, 88, all the things that were about to come. I mean, and just narratively, yeah, you get the speech from Pat Riley, um, leave it all out there, you know, yeah. however he puts it exactly. Unfinished and business. No unfinished business. Uh, but there is. <laughs> <laughs> because, I mean, in the background of that, I, th I think it was in the previous episode, um, after they won the uh, Western Conference Finals, where um, you got the speech of, well, we have to beat the Celtics. You know, people yeah. call it um, this uh, age-old rivalry. It's not a rivalry because we've never won. Yeah. And Jerry, so, Jerry Buss's words in that episode, even though they had won two of the last three finals, were we're a flash in the pan and we're nothing until we beat Boston. Right. And so... We end with them losing <laughs> to Boston. Yeah. We end with them losing to Boston yeah. and then get a tagged on happily ever after. It's, I don't know. All that being said, I've had Pat Benatar stuck in my head for a couple of days and like it was pretty good. I enjoyed, yeah. I was trying to look up, um, again, we're about the same age. So I'll just ask you this. Did it land for you like it did for me where it felt like such an exemplary 80s movie ending. Mm. Uh, <laughs> you think about the pretty iconic 80s movies and and how they end, you know, Breakfast Club jumps to mind. But yeah, there's just these these iconic ballads just right there at the at, at the, the either roll over some kind of montage or credits. And yeah, it did feel like that. I mean, they were gonna obviously pull out a pretty, you know, banging 80s song to do that. And they 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 I think they they chose right. It, it worked well. I'll give them that. And yeah. this is the thing, right? I feel like I feel like there were even more 80s movies that we saw when we were kids that did this sort of thing. Yeah. And they these aren't the kinds of movies you remember 30 <laughs> years later. Like all of these kind of like not very good movies 
yeah. you know, where where they would end with this kind of um also the you know the title cards that tell you what happened to people later. Yeah. That totally fell out of fashion and then only comes back anymore, it feels like, on the level of something like parody. Mm. Which I think is what we get here, although I might call it homage instead, yeah. but it, it's yeah. something like parody. It's not, um, there's a winking to it, you know? Whereas I feel like when, maybe it was because I was a kid, but I feel like when I was a kid, it was like, they would seriously do this. Yes, yes. With, with a straight face. Like the movie would end and then they put up things that tell you about what happens to people later in their lives. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, we, we've, we've talked about this before, that just the the visuals and the camera styles and the cinematography of this show just made it feel like it was straight out of the that that era and how well they did with that so yeah i mean if you're yeah. gonna put something together on 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 the back end you know last minute last month who knows they you know they they at least stay consistent clearly work went into it and they had it ready you know yeah. and they filmed these scenes months ago they filmed them prior to the strikes and everything if anyone's worried about that you know that, that's, yeah that's totally confirmed they had it in the back pocket um because they'd gotten this heads up like before the season started they got this heads up i know that if this doesn't go well we're going to cancel you so like maybe be prepared for that and um yeah no i want to know from what you were saying i've said it many times i think over the past seven weeks i love Mm -hmm. the style of the show so much i've seen some people criticizing it or whatever or thinking it's unnecessary and like i don't know man if you want a straightforward treatment yeah go go watch some documentaries or something like that but the the way that they did this like heavily stylized version i've just thoroughly enjoyed throughout and i thought the show was so much fun i don't know that there's any chance in the world that this gets picked up by um some other network i saw i think indywire just this afternoon was saying they put out an article saying showtime should buy it and rename it showtime yeah that doesn't feel plausible to me though for whatever reason it doesn't feel plausible we're just grasping at straws i i don't see it short of one of these uh what's the show recently manifest-esque groundswell movements from its fans that really are going to push it for i just i just don't see it I, it doesn't feel like you're going to get that from this, no. you know, and yeah. it's like the, you said, why, why don't people just go watch the game on YouTube? You know, if you want to know what happened in the game, you go watch it, watch it on YouTube. Well, yeah. And that's the other thing. The tacked on ending undermines yeah. that, the, you know, it'd be weird to move it forward. I mean, you could imagine it happening. I think here's what you would do. You know, you'd say, oh, we got a third season. You do the mm-hmm. third season. And then down the line, when you like release the box set, you take away the tack up <laughs> ending or something, it becomes a special feature on the box set or something. Yeah. Like you could theoretically do it, but it doesn't feel like there's that kind of momentum. It's a shame. We were also talking about how it's kind of weird when they released it. I don't know if we really hit that point on here before, but it is weird. Something like yeah. a basketball dead zone when they released the basketball show. Yeah. There is, there is no way to tie in any NBA crossover. There's no way to get your stars involved in anything related. No, 
Chuck and Kenny and Shaq talking about it. There's no, you know, no, no anything that you can do from a basketball perspective to have people be interested in basketball right now. All people care about in September, October is football and baseball playoffs, right? It's just not yeah. the time to to do it. And they released the first season at the end of March Madness, NBA playoffs, and they just didn't just didn't choose to give it that 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 time slot this time. Yeah. But I mean honestly, we have to admit the strikes hurt. I think they the on the prom- uh, yep. promotional front, the lack of promotional front, you know, that um you know, I saw Quincy Isaiah plays Magic Johnson, right? Saw him on the Rich Eisen show during the airing of the show and yeah like they're not talking about winning time because he's not allowed to you know and kind of a bummer it it's just a bummer all around because yeah. i it yeah. was great and the cast on the show was so great and uh the, yeah they, they were i mean established stars up and comers it was a really strong mix Going to be sad to um to to say goodbye to it. Just in terms of the actual episode, you know what what worked for you, what what didn't. Uh, you know, basically it was it was six finals games is what we got. A little bit of off court stuff, but uh, how did the episode land with you? I mean, it worked for me um, really well. I don't know about you. Um, we, we've been um, we should follow through our general kind of plan, fact checking some stuff. Although basically. Mm-hmm. Almost everything that I checked on seemed to pan out on this one. Yep. Um, except there is the the other plot line where Honey is suing Jerry Bus, and of course Honey's not a real person, so that obviously right. is not like straightforwardly true. Um, yeah. I couldn't find anything to indicate that this scenario with the reporters outside of his house was an like an event that happened. Yeah, nor can we confirm. I think that you know, while the finals were going on, he was having to split time between finals games and in in lawyers' offices, sort of negotiating the, these things. You know, that just was a thing there for the. Yeah, for I the couldn't trauma. confirm anything on that. I mean, it seemed like maybe it's reasonable speculation. I mean, also like, were um, was ownership of the Lakers really at risk? Was bankruptcy a real risk because of lawsuits that occurred? Um, just I, I don't know for sure, but I mean we do know that he was sued, not for a hundred million dollars. I think it was twenty five million dollars, which yeah, is still like yeah. a lot of money. Um, but I jumped to that in part because some of the stuff around that still I thought was very good television. Um, the scene where Claire rips into him. Mm-hmm. Gabby Hoffman. We haven't we haven't talked about her uh, her character very much. Um, real person, you know, and and so on. Yep. And uh, that that was really striking. Her um, cursing Jerry Bus out and saying, "You know, this is my life." Yeah, and that was a really powerful scene. Um, and also, really, the one where Jeannie comes to his house and then they go to the game together. Both both those scenes I thought were really well done, really powerful stuff. Yeah, it was good, and it sort of speaks to the some of the criticisms you and I've had were that in, in across an episode they would have sometimes done six or seven different storylines. This seemed to be the basketball and Jerry's personal life jumping back and forth, and that did work with me because it sort of set different stakes at different levels. 
And um, I, I was able to sort of keep that tone back and forth between the two. Sometimes they would try to do five, six different things, plus phone calls between Cookie and Magic, you know, just just didn't always always land. But this this yeah. one I thought they did. They did well. Well, and, and thematically, it's sort of a piece, too, you know, mm-hmm. in some contrast to what we were saying about last week's episode. It's crisis. You know, yeah, yeah. It's it's uh, the crisis of the Lakers on the court and off the court, and the crisis exactly. of Gary Buss as, as the uh, owner, and then, you know, um, also some movement of increasing kind of solidarity again with Jeannie and Cherry, but um, yeah, I mean, things are really everything's coming to a kind of crisis moment. And it's precisely yeah. like this is not where it's supposed to end. This is again, it's like classical um story mm-hmm. structure. You're ending after act two. That's what you're doing. <laughs> you know, that classical structure of like act one, the good guys win, act two, setbacks. Oh no, the bad guys won. And then you've got act three. Yeah. Right? yeah. That's what the original Star Wars does, but it's not alone. Like go to the opera. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's just it sucks. I'm so pissed about it. <laughs> But I, I'm 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 really upset about it too. I, I did enjoy this show for any of its small flaws. We thought it had. I, I really did enjoy it. Let, let me ask you one other question. And this may have, may or may not have made a difference in the long run, considering what they were apparently planning back in January when they filmed these things. So season one, ten episodes covering one season, Magic's rookie season, finals at the end, the famous game where he subs in, plays center for Kareem. They win the championship. Season two, seven episodes, four seasons of basketball. Do you think that trying to sort of pressure cook all of that over a short time frame sort of did, did that help hurt? Did it do would it would have made a difference if they focused just on one season? You know, how 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 do you think that would have impacted it? Um, I don't know because I didn't revisit all of season one recently. Yeah. But so well, it might be some recency bias or something. Um, I kind of feel like season two is better mm-hmm. than season one. Um, I thought season one was quite good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I would have liked season two to maybe have at least another episode, at least like one more episode. As we I talked agree. About last week, last week in particular, felt like they were cramming a whole lot into that um, penultimate episode and going exactly at least yeah. a little bit slower would have been good but i get the story structure and that's the thing i think it works th- that uh, act two ends on the downer note yeah they finally face the celtics 1984 and they lose yeah. right and then you would expect act three to swing it back around to when they finally beat the celtics yeah I so, that that's an actually a good point because if if season two is um oh we beat the 76ers again yeah. you know that's the ending it's like okay well we've we've done that um the the logical place to end the second season is we get our rivals and we can't get over that hill yeah i think so yeah. um let, let's run through some of this fact check stuff though because some of it i just found amusing <laughs> In, yeah, its, let's in its apparent truthfulness. Um, I guess it was going order uh, of our, uh, the notes uh, we have here. I don't know. Um, Kareem getting a migraine before game six. Apparently he suffered from migraines quite significantly for quite a long time. That's right. Yeah, I do think that's right. Um, through his playing career and 
I did see something where like maybe he found a better way to deal with them, but like later, like you know, maybe in the nineties or something, even after he was done playing, I'm not sure. Yes, yeah, so, you know, Abdul Jabbar is old in this season. It's last several seasons left to go that he keeps playing after this. Yeah, old in basketball terms, anyway. Mm. You know. By True. now he's probably old and <laughs> he's old. it's probably fair to call him old in general terms now. <laughs> yeah. But you know. Um, but yeah, in particular, before game six, that's a real thing. I found news stories confirming um, that the uh, big hit on Rambus, of course, this is true. Yes. Right. Um, I've got a link to an article, press put in the show note. The Rambus youth. I wasn't aware of the Rambus youth. Were you aware of the Rambus youth? I, I, was, I was not, but apparently he became sort of a cult figure among the young people of, of L.A., and this was just an all Pat Riley thing, you know, inserting him in the starting lineup. He was supposed to be a nobody, but yeah, people fell in love with him. It's true because uh, didn't Paul Westhead want to cut him, at least in the show? Yep. And uh, I saw Jeff Perlman. One of the things he said uh, was that he would have liked to see more Rambus. Yes. I don't know a lot about Rambus, man, but I'm, I'm fascinated. What I did read here, so the Rambus youth were a real thing, and, and, and Rambus uh, is actually wearing corrective lenses, which... I'm sure, I mean, he's wearing glasses. Yes. what I'm saying, you know. Um, and I'm sure there are any number of pro athletes now who need corrective lenses and wear contacts. You know, and it was like, you just yes. don't know. I, I think I can even vaguely recall seeing sometimes when, like, someone has to put a contact lens back in or something. <laughs> right. But it became this thing in part because of how he looked and wore glasses. And apparently the Rambus youth started being a thing. And what I read was at first he thought they were making fun of him. And but no, this is like, I mean, I don't know. This feels like a really like a a, a precursor to hipsters or something yeah, yeah. here in the early 80s. Um Kurt, Kurt Rambis and Eric Dickerson, the president and vice president of the wearing glasses while you play suits, star yeah. athletes. So there you go. Yeah, which I get it. I wear glasses. Yeah. <laughs> I tried wearing contacts for a bit, and I didn't really like how they felt in my eye, and ha I had them fall out here and there. And I, I don't like contacts. I much prefer wearing glasses. I don't know if I'd wear glasses if I was uh, <laughs> playing professional basketball um or you know that sort of thing uh i guess in the open we hit on the thing uh the temperature at uh boston garden in game five uh the air conditioning was indeed out right and this yeah. is true this is more of like a general thing they just did not air condition that place uh quite often when the, when when games were going on so you know in in february march april in boston that didn't matter but apparently this was an exceptionally hot may or early june game um, maybe just may you know the boston the, the celtics you, had gotten used to this but but by the time the lakers got there you know this was just suffocating for them well so the, uh, maybe i didn't dig into this quite deep enough did they even have air conditioning was the building air conditioned was it possible or was Ooh. it just like hey this was an early 80s thing I would have where it wasn't quite that widespread yet and it's not usually too hot in boston yeah. Yeah, I, I can't say this with with a hundred percent level of confidence, but I want to say that it air conditioning wasn't needed in that old Boston Garden, you know, because there was there was you know, like I said the games were played in November through through April usually, and there wasn't yeah. a need for for AC. I want to say that it was that there was not 
air conditioning capability in that building, although I didn't have to fact check my, myself now as I say that. Yeah, sorry, we pushed it too far. We didn't do enough <laughs> research. I'll put something at least at least in the article that we published that goes up on the website with the podcast. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll try to look into this more. We put that up. Um, <clears throat> as you call the AC game in, in our notes here, so I, I don't know. Um, yeah. No confirmation about the thing about the uh, only hot water. Did you... There's a scene. That, that, where, yeah, that that I, I, that seemed to me like a, a I think that's license. Yeah, yeah, that's creative license. I'm pretty sure that's creative license. <laughs> um, okay, Boston.com, a review of the old Boston Garden before it was torn down. The one, the major flaw in the building is a lack of air conditioning. So it did not have air conditioning. Okay, so it really just did not have air. See, I realized yeah. that's actually more plausible. I and mean, somehow it didn't even really occur to me at first because, yeah, I mean, air conditioning did not used to be as widespread by any means. And we, we can go yeah. off on a tangent about uh, global warming, perhaps. But, <laughs> um, yeah. And, you know, one thing I love is this is totally a tangent, but um, it used to be the case that um, New York City in August Everyone just like left. Yes. Not everyone, because not everyone could afford to. But it happens in Mad Men, for example, where it was just a general thing. We're like, oh, it's August. That's too hot. And go to the Hamptons or whatever, you know? Yeah. And they, they would just shut that thing down for like the entire month of <laughs> August because it was too hot in like the 60s. Anyhow, um, Bill Lambeer gets a mention. I saw someone yeah. online complaining about this. I don't think it's anachronistic because they came out in the same draft and there is tons of evidence that Larry Bird and Bill Lambeer hate each other. Yeah. I mean, Bill Lambeer didn't have many friends in the league to begin with, but I think he and he and Larry Bird had an exceptionally bad robbery, especially as the 80s went along and the Pistons yeah. got to be to the level they were. And Lambier just went to another level of nastiness on uh, against yeah. opponents. The bad boys. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the the claim about anachronism. And so I don't know. It's like, hey, Larry, did you did you already really hate Bill Lambier in nineteen eighty four? Um, but I think it's plausible. And uh, um, I don't know. I looked into some stuff about that. And yeah, I mean particularly given how Larry Bird is presented in this episode in particular. Mm -hmm. Let me throw out there for everyone that Larry Bird hates Bill Lambert, Lampier <laughs> because he's a dirty player. Right. <laughs> that, that's so like, there's a line Larry Bird is drawing. Yeah. That he won't draw. saying yeah. we play hard. Even <laughs> that like Kevin McHale thing, like this is right. rough. We're in the trenches or whatever, but he's like Bill Lambeer's trying to hurt people. And yeah. that's not okay. And it's Larry, like Larry yeah. Bird, at least, at least in this episode, telling his teammate, if you apologize to him, I'll break your neck. Yeah. Yeah. And so Bill Lambeer goes farther than that. Yeah. Which now I'm pulling mostly on my own personal memory. I don't know that that's wrong. Like yeah. <laughs> but I was a fan of the bad boy pistons in the late 1980s uh, as a kid. And I mean, <laughs> they were called the bad boys for a reason. Exactly. You know, and Bill Lampier was pretty central to that. Also, Dennis Rodman and Isaiah Thomas and Vinnie Johnston yeah. and John Sally 
And that's another thing that a privacy. Well, I mean, I don't know if they would have really made the Pistons characters, but if they'd gone on long enough, it would have had to have shifted to. Yeah, Pistons. I remember the, the whole series started in 1991 with Magic Johnson and the HIV announcements. Yeah, that was our really previous important. speculation. Yeah, but I'm just now. I'm thinking now about man. They really ignored the Sixers. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, the punches. I confirmed the Rambus punch. I did not confirm the Kareem punch. We got text on screen saying yes, this really happened. Yeah, the Rambus punch happened, and I've got a little link here in our show notes from uh, the guy who sued him over it. So that all checks out. Good. Um, but yeah, I didn't find any confirmation about the Kareem punching someone, which also happens in that scene. No, not, not, I mean, this is another, you know, I guess Larry Bird practicing in jeans and boots that we're going to have to take at face value that <laughs> it happened and they said it happened. Yeah, I guess. I mean, at least I, I didn't find anything. No one sued him over this, at least, but someone did sue Rambus over it. But here, here, <laughs> here's a little nugget that came out reading about this. The guy that Rambus punched was trying to take his jersey. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> and, and and like this guy in the little article I was reading about it, he was saying, yeah, that was dumb. You don't try to take Superman's cape. <laughs> you know. <laughs> also confirmed the, the bit of dialogue I checked an actual bit of dialogue because Bird was talking to the press as he said mm-hmm. this in the episode. He really did say these things. He really did call his teammates sissies, and he said that they need twelve heart transplants. That is verifiable, quoted in the in the press, and and you can find it the, by searching the, the internet. This more than anything else you've said, I one hundred percent believe that he would have said this. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, again, what's creative license, what isn't? I just thought it went so far. (laughs) And I'm sitting here going like, he's talking to reporters. But we've seen previously in the season some stuff where people were talking to reporters, but it didn't didn't pan out like this. And so I thought it was striking. I did a little Google foo, and I was like, oh, yeah, (laughs) there's Bird saying exactly that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And and this is just part of, uh, I mean, what I'll miss most about the show often you know, just the the truth being stranger than fiction sometimes and, and how they were able to incorporate some of what actually happened into some of this creative stuff. So it really is too bad that this is this is coming to a to a close. Yeah, I guess this is where we leave it. Um anything else you want to hit on? No, I think episode? that's it for, for winning time. It's I guess for, that's for, it for winning in the archives time. forever. Now and forever. And yeah. Next thing we know they'll pull it off of Max and never release any physical (laughs) media copies and it will become a myth that one day there was a show. We've seen that happen before. Well, I mean, they, they, in fairness, they put some stuff to pass and stuff like that. I don't know if we've quite seen things disappear into the abyss yet, but yeah, it seems to be happening. Um, All right. So moving forward from here, Brian and I have decided that we are going to move to talk about standout episodes of TV that we love, uh, older TV for the next couple of months before we, we're going to pick up with Fargo, but that's not till November. And there's not quite as much new fall TV, at least not as much new fall TV as we want to spend time talking about each week. So we're going to hit on like our standout TV episodes, or I, I, you want to call it Mount Rushmore? That's what you want to do. 
Well, we're each taking four over the next eight weeks. So I was trying to think of the thing that, uh, you know, incorporates a group of four. And that was the best I could come up with. Yeah, I'm a, I've, you've said this before. I've heard other people use the term. Sure. Right. But so <laughs> we, we got battling Mount Rushmore's. Yeah. Then, yeah. Why not? Why not? We'll, <laughs> put the faces up there and see which ones, see which one's best. That's what we should do. We should, we should, uh, if you come up with four different ones, we should poll, you know, the readers who's got the better, better, better four. Yeah, that'd be interesting. So I think we'll go back and forth, but we're going to start next week with uh, one of Ryan's choices, which is kind of cheating. Yeah, it's really cheating. Because <laughs> uh, it's three episodes. Um, <laughs> Exodus from, from Lost. There's three parts to that. We'll dig in on all three of them uh, to get us going here. We both have seen that. that. We've both seen Lost. Yes. But we did yes. decide here that we're not going to worry about that. So potentially... Um, we're gonna make each other watch things from shows we haven't seen. Yeah, I think that could be quite fun. There's only one thing on your list I haven't seen, and I'm, I find myself thinking, like, maybe I'll just watch that episode. Yeah, well, <laughs> if it's the one I'm thinking about, it then you then you definitely should. But I'd I'd be happy to watch an episode out of context if it's supposed to be supposed to be that good. Yeah, right. I mean, to be clear. Just watch that episode as opposed to give myself more context before I get right. to it, you know, that sort of thing. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, I guess we'll keep it, you know, sort of a surprise. We'll do yeah. Lost next week, and then um, going from there, I guess we'll go to one of mine for the week after that, and we'll go back and forth. Right, yeah. yeah. So next for next week, watch Lost, the episode Exodus, part one, two, and three. These are the last three of season one. Um, and we will discuss Lost, maybe our experiences with Lost, how this episode hits, why I chose a three and one, you know, to really cheat in this first time. And and uh, we're going to dive into, into Exodus from Lost next week. Yeah, sounds good. I'm looking forward to it. And yeah, so everyone listening, if you haven't seen it, watch it and potentially yeah. feel free to do as we're probably going to do. See, because here's the thing. I also think, Ryan, I'm just going to hit you with some stuff from some shows I know you haven't seen. Uh, that's what I'm worried about. But <laughs> like, I think I'm going to do it, and, and I feel bad about it. But like, I can't. So I think, I think that might be fun. I think it might be fun. So to people listening along, you know, we would encourage you to at least watch that episode prior to us talking about it. But uh, uh, it should be a good time. So, all right. As always, thanks for listening. Uh, check out the website, tvobsessive.com. Lots of good stuff there for you to read. Uh, you can follow us on social media, TV Obsessive. Um, I'm Cameron CC on Twitter. Uh, Ryan's at Cable Box Score. There's a YouTube for TV Obsessive, which I encourage people to go and press like buttons and subscribe. And that, there's not a ton of subscribers on the YouTube. Um, but the podcast will show up there um, with some kind of low budget video. So, um, but if you want to um, use YouTube as a way to access this, and of course, um, available on you know Spotify and you know various podcast apps that people use, please you know do like, leave a positive review, all that good stuff. Much appreciated, and. Um, I guess that's about it. Yeah, really enjoy getting to go through winning time with you. And uh, we'll pick back up with a little fun couple episodes of Lost next week. All right. Now, I wish in your imaginations we'll close 
by dropping Pat Benatar, <laughs> The Shadows of the Night. I expect you to drop it in. <laughs>